All righty. So uh, hello, everybody. Uh, we're back with another episode of Recovery Friends Podcast. My name is Andy. Um, and on this program, uh, real quick about our program, sorry, uh, we invite guests who are in active recovery from drug and alcohol addiction to share their stories of how they wound up here and, uh, and, and to the point where they are today in sobriety. Uh, we do not represent any 12-step programs, though many of our guests are members of such programs. Um, and uh, anything said here uh, by me or the guests uh, is solely based on our experience and doesn't, exp and doesn't represent the opinion of any 12-step programs. Uh, our only aim is that possibly somebody who's out there struggling with addiction can hear this and maybe get a little bit of hope out of uh, the stories of our guests. So uh, with that said, uh, our guest tonight is my friend Emily, and she is a very special person to me. Um, and I know uh, mainly I've been bringing on friends, so like every time I introduce somebody, it's like, this is my very special friend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Emily is a person who's, we have a basically the same amount of time. Mm -hmm. uh, she got sober a month ahead of me, and we've been... I mean, we've been seeing each other's lives blossom uh, these last six and a half, almost seven years, uh, and it's an incredible thing to uh, witness and to have somebody like, you know, that you're kind of going through it together, even though, you know, we don't see each other that often anymore. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, um, we, um, we, I guess we'll get started. See, I told you it's always awkward. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> all right, so what did, uh, so hi, Emily. Hi, Andy. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm getting, I'm sitting over here and I'm listening to you. I'm getting emotional. Oh, well, cool. Good. Well, glad. Hopefully that emotion translates into some tearjerker stuff. No pressure, though. <laughs> <laughs> Never on the listening end, yeah. always on the oh, speaking end. <laughs> no, I think, I mean, I've always been like moved that when you speak. So oh, thank you. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, just uh, if you want to maybe just tell me. Tell us where you're from. Where were you born? Um, yeah. Start wherever you want to start. Yeah. So I'm from rural upstate New York. Um, my family moved around a lot uh, when I was young. So I always say like in that region um, between Syracuse and Albany. Mm -hmm. um, so I did not grow up in New York City, you know, just like Louisiana. Um New York is a really big state. Yeah, everybody's like, New York City. Huh? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really can't stand New York City. <laughs> oh. I had to, like, realize that, like, I can't ask everybody who says they're from New York if they're from New York City at some right. point. You're like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, where? You know. Yeah, usually when people say they're from New York, they mean, like, New York City. Yeah. Otherwise, they say, like, Western New York or rural upstate New York yeah. or central New York or uh, I don't know southern new york nobody says southern new york that's not a thing hmm. but anything north and west of the city which is a lot yeah is technically considered upstate yeah new york is like yeah it is bigger than i i, I thought it like it's it, big it's not a little like delaware connecticut yeah. or um vermont even it's yeah it's a big it's a big state yeah mm-hmm yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm so bad at geography, but like, I remember <laughs> looking at it one time and seeing it and going, oh, it, New York State is actually huge. Yeah. Well, not huge, but big. Yeah, yeah, I mean, to drive from New York City to the western part of the state would take about eight hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's about the same size as Louisiana, you think? Or bigger? Like turned, if you turned it like, mm-hmm. you know, turned it. In square footage, <laughs> square <laughs> I have mileage. no idea. You're bad at geography. I'm bad at geology, so yeah. I don't know. <laughs> there you go. Anyway. <laughs> so. so, yeah, I grew up in, um, in, in that part of the country. We moved a lot. We moved a lot, uh, and um, and it's funny. Only recently did my stepdad like take responsibility for that, but I don't think that it was all him. He's a, a Presbyterian minister, mm. and so he was always um, taking interim type positions at churches, and he would kind of go in rehabilitate a church in oh. in terms of like getting some life back into the congregation and helping them find a permanent pastor and then moving on to his next project kind of thing. Yeah. That's interesting. He could like get his own reality show. (laughs) I don't know many people that (laughs) would watch. (laughs) Where he goes in and like fixes broken churches. (laughs) But it just, you know, it always, uh, we were always moving. I mean, one year, this was when I was in third grade. I moved three times in the school year. Oh, yeah, and and it was awkward in elementary school because I would go back to classes with kids that I had been in kindergarten with oh. or first grade with for like a month yeah. or like third grade with for like three months. And they vaguely remember you. And then you. back for sixth grade and and then like left, you know, those those people all together and um, stayed in the same school school district and area from seventh until I graduated high school sorry Mm -hmm. um yeah and you know like when I reflect on my story of recovery as it as it were I think about some really weird tendencies I had as a kid um I'm of the mind that I was born an alcoholic Mm. there are certain things that I can look back and identify that, you know, I don't have the kind of story where, oh yeah, they put whiskey on my gums to like, you know, soothe my teething or anything like that. But I do, there are certain things that I can look back to and be like, man, that's a really weird behavior, you know, for a kid. Um, One of those things was that I was like incorrigible. Like I was just so willful and so um my mom always says my my first word was no Mm. and I like didn't stop using it or still still haven't um (laughs) but we'll get to that because now I try to say yes Uh, (laughs) as you said yes when I asked you to do this exactly exactly (laughs) um so uh but when I was in my family moved around so much that it was really difficult to like have and keep friends. Yeah. Um, and so I remember in kindergarten, I had stolen jewelry from my cousin. <laughs> and usually when kids like steal stuff, it's for themselves. I stole the jewelry so that I would have something to give to these little girls that I wanted to be my friends. Aww. And when I think back on it, I'm like, oh my God, that's so sad. That's like really sad. And I, it's not that I feel bad for myself, but I'm like, hey, anyone call for help. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, it's not feeling bad for you. It's feeling right. bad for like you were a child. Right, that's right, so right, yeah. right. But like, 
So from a very early age, I can identify there's something to the human existence that just I feel like I missed the boat on. Mm-hmm. I, I, I always seem to feel that I of myself were not enough. Mm-hmm. And so as far back as I can recall, I had, you know, this inferiority complex um, and, and was also driven by this like really willful ego from a very young age and and that those are two things that are very like typical yeah. of people in addiction and alcoholism wow yeah yeah i can relate to definitely like not feeling enough mm-hmm. uh but i don't know that i was as rebellious as you i was mm-hmm. more of like a easy like i'll do whatever it is you want me to do so i can please you type mm-hmm. guy yeah i was not rebellious at school yeah. i was rebellious at home okay yeah 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 yeah, I was probably the least rebellious out of my, my siblings okay. with five kids. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm one of four <laughs> and the only girl. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I know, <laughs> you know, us girls, so difficult. Um, so then I guess from there, you know, I can fast forward to when I first started drinking. And actually, can I talk about drugs? Yeah, whole okay. day, every day. Okay, great. So, <laughs> <laughs> great. Not that the, that drugs are a huge part of my story, but actually before I ever drank, I yeah. got stoned. I smoked weed. Yeah. My older brother um, went through this phase in his life where he um, was smoking a lot of weed and... Oh, right. thanks. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I... Okay, cool. Um, he was uh, smoking a lot of weed and dropping a lot of acid. Uh-huh. And this was when he was in... And he's fine, you know, <laughs> he's fine now. <laughs> Actually, he's now more, a little bit more on everybody else's level. He's like one of the smartest people that I know. Wow. But, you know, maybe that like brought him down to earth for everyone a little bit. Regardless, um, so he, you know, I don't know why. I just like looked up to him so much. And he like one summer we were living at my dad's house um, together. We were often kind of like. He was often trying to kind of get away from me, I think, <laughs> with my parents. And I was like, no, like, let me Following come and him. live with you. <laughs> so he and I were living with my dad and my dad would go to work every day and we'd stay home and just like smoke weed. Mind you, it was like the worst weed ever. Uh, you know, this yeah. is back in like, what, <laughs> 1995, yeah. you know. Um, it's hard to get the good stuff <laughs> Right. Then. And he's like 16 <laughs> and I'm 12. Like, oh, wow. what are we really going to get his hands all on? all day at 12. Right. In like upstate New York, you know, like I think back on that, I need to ask him actually, like, who did you get that from? Because (laughs) that's like super resourceful. I'm impressed. But, um, (laughs) so yeah, we would just sit in his room, in his bedroom and we would listen to Jimi Hendrix and we would listen to the doors and we would listen to cream like Eric Clapton (laughs) and we would listen to, um, the Beatles and I would get the munchies and he would laugh at me and then he would like paint a little bit and then like we'd have straightened out by the time my dad got home from wow. work. So, you know, I hear you say that and I go, that sounds like so much fun. I know, right? I, that I, sounds I, great. I've had so many experiences. <laughs> like, you know, you smoke weed at home with friends right. and you're just like, it's such a like. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was. They that's the summer that I was dubbed the munchie queen because um, our good friend would come over and hang out with us sometimes. And, you know, we would do the same thing when she was there. (laughs) And uh, 
uh i would get munchies like immediately and like try to like i put this snack together for us once we didn't have anything in the house (laughs) uh lemons and sugar like that sounds Uh, awful i don't know that might sound great for lemonade but like when push comes to shove is that gonna be a tasty treat Uh, apparently it worked so (laughs) so like that was fun and then i think like a year later, maybe when I was in seventh grade or between seventh and eighth grade, I got drunk for the first time somewhere around that age, like 13 or so. And I like, I remember we had like pooled all this money together. Um, and it must have, it must have been a lot of money for like middle school kids, you mm. know, like saving our pizza money. Yeah. We gave some high school kid like over a hundred dollars oh, and he gave us like, you know, a case of like warm old Milwaukee bottles. Wow. Disgusting. And like um, some wine coolers, like Seagram's wine coolers or something. Yeah. So of course all the girls like go and uh, it was, the parties were always at this one girl's house. All the girls go and grab like as many wine coolers as they can hold. And the guys do the same with beers. And it's like everybody goes to their corners and uh-huh. drinks like as much as they can, as fast as they can. And then the shenanigans uh-huh. begin, right? And so for me, it would be like the first like time or two, it was like, drink as much as I can as fast as I can then projectile vomit like some kind of hot fluorescent (laughs) like pinky kind of girly color and then like go make out with someone yeah you know that's like (laughs) that's like my first vomit then make out (laughs) yes exactly um you know the guys are like jumping on the trampoline uh punching each other you know some girls crying in the corner some girl sometimes it was me um you know some girls like puking and like you know spit coming out of her mouth sometimes it was me but we were young everybody was doing it yeah you know but then when i got into high school and people became more seasoned in their drinking as like 14 and 15 and 16 year olds um Ripping, it, ripping off the, the uh, middle schoolers. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, like stealing all their lunch money <laughs> that they've saved out for booze. Um, it seemed like everybody else kind of settled down and I never did. Yeah. Uh, once I, I, I never, and like who drinks casually in high school? I can't really imagine a bunch of teenagers sitting around like sipping on some craft beer yeah. and being like, man that was a great day today <laughs> you know like that's oh, yeah. oh this craft beer really i can taste the hops in it right <laughs> like what is that that's yeah. not that's not i never drank like that by the way oh i was never like a craft beer drinker i was always just like a whatever you got <clears throat> kind of guy that's how i would start out but yeah. then i would end up with like you know pbr drafts or like whatever yeah oh gross Oof. um <laughs> sorry uh it's it's so bizarre that most of the time thankfully now when somebody talks about alcohol or I think about alcohol or think about drinking Mm. um I actually have a physical sensation of revulsion which is wild it's crazy it's wild to me um every once in a blue moon I have the exact opposite sensation Mm. where my mouth starts salivating and it totally freaks me out but um and you know what's great though is is that you have to be honest and and say that yeah because i i find that like 
maybe people weren't necessarily like saying that there was never a thought, but in when I got sober in the beginning, I thought that that's what had to be the case. I had to right. like if I ever thought about it, then I was doing something wrong. Yeah, yeah. I think one thing that I, I will never feign to be perfect in any aspect of my life, hmm. and definitely not in in my sobriety, except that I haven't drank. Yeah. Um, I will always try to give a clear and accurate and honest, transparent portrayal of like what my experience mm. has been and what it looks like today and sometimes it's super easy and every once in a blue moon it's hard yeah you know but but that is like parallel to life that yeah. is not just the journey of the addict or the alcoholic that is for anyone mm-hmm. um that's being you know really honest with themselves i yeah. think and they and that's necessary mm-hmm. so necessary cause yeah you know, like there's a lot of perfectionism amongst mm-hmm. people like us, you know, mm-hmm. and it's nice to be you, when you hear somebody say, oh, yeah, I think about it sometimes. It kind of go, it loosens things up for you and you go, oh, OK, yeah, I'm not I'm OK. I'm okay. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so. Uh, so people, my peers started to kind of like settle down and like started getting boyfriends and girlfriends. And I just f- until I stopped drinking, I became quote unquote that girl you know Mm. at the party and stayed that girl always drank too much always making out with somebody I shouldn't be um you know always puking always doing you know trying to do backflips on a trampoline somewhere landing on my head how I never broke my neck I have no idea eventually that turned into like drinking and driving like leaving a party to go in you know I don't know, be willfully defiant and just be like, you know what? I got myself here. I'm going to get myself Mm. wherever I'm going. The thing that was, was tricky for me is that I, can I curse? Yeah. Oh, okay. Please. (laughs) I mean, there's so many good words to use, but sometimes you just got to say fuck. Yeah. Um, I was, I had already established this like double life, you know, from, the time that I was like smoking weed. I was a 12 year old like pothead for one summer, you know, <laughs> says not many people ever. Well, probably a lot of us actually in, in recovery. Mm. Um, but <clears throat> I was a good student. I always had a job since I was like old enough to be legally employed. Um, and I had that, and I hate this like cliche saying, like work hard, play hard mentality. Mm-hmm. You know, I was an athlete. I was never a very good athlete, um, but I was athletic. I, you know, I played sports in high school. Um, I went to college. I got good grades in college. Um, did you, you know, play sports in college? I did play sports in college. Division three, which is like glorified high school. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I did not get a scholarship. Nobody was recruiting this girl, <laughs> uh, which is fine. But, man, I had the time of my life playing sports in college. Um, and... Uh, I don't know. I guess I figured out the equation. If you show up and you do the work, then you get good grades or you do well at your job and then you can kind of do whatever you want. And then so I did, you know, in high school, um, I destroyed friendships Um, in college. I destroyed friendships um, all because of behavior I engaged in while I was drinking Mm. um, or when I was hungover or when I was like still a little bit drunk from the night before kind of thing. Um, You know, my very best friends from high school 
and I had a really big falling out um, right after graduation, actually at a high school graduation party, and uh, like my support system was gone. Mm. I had nothing. Um, the same thing happened in in college. Um, and I was always curious, like, well, why didn't I get invited to the wedding? You know, <laughs> well, who wants that kind of liability around? Yeah. Um, you know, and were there people who were worse off than me? Sure. Yeah. Um, but I was always that girl. Um, you know, occasionally I would like wake up and, uh, and not know exactly where I was, which in college was hard because I went to a really, really small school in the middle of nowhere. And so if you wake up and don't know where you are, you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And kind of the same thing in high school. Um, But then after college, um, things started to get pretty weird. Um, You know, just uh, drinking very... um, not as often because I because I left college and then I moved back home. Awesome, the American dream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, move out, go to college, move back home. That's it. Only for a year, um, but that year I got my first DWI. It was uh, 2005, and mm. when I think back on that night, I was hanging out with some buddies that I went to high school with. I was the only girl and I was too drunk to drive and it was a a blizzard out and we were watching like March Madness games or something, which I have no interest in, whatever, (laughs) but it gave me an, no, I have an appreciation for all (laughs) athletics. I don't, I don't follow college basketball. Certainly not so much that I would like go to a bar to watch, you know, March Madness, but that's what these guys were doing. I was like, well, I can tie one on and, um, you know, get some, get some attention from men. And, um, then the evening took a turn where it was like time for everybody to kind of like buckle down and, um, you know, stay put. Nobody was in any condition to drive. And I didn't want to stay put cause I was nervous that something was going to happen in terms of like, um, maybe getting involved with one of the guys in a way that I really didn't want to. Oh. Um, and so I left and as I was leaving, um, I slipped and fell on my ass and that should have been an indicator of maybe you're too drunk to drive, but I was like, God, this no. <laughs> um, but I barely remember the drive home. I remember I stopped at a gas station for snacks and cigarettes. And then I vaguely remember like some of the drive, but again, it was like wintry weather. Imagine, uh, you know, downpour rain and it in like flooding and that just turns into white fluff (laughs) sorry about that (laughs) that's okay and becomes like you know basically i wouldn't say impossible to operate in but uh not a good idea for anybody to be out driving right exactly let alone like driving home um at like three o'clock in the morning Drunk. Drunk. So I, I dozed in a, off. In a, or, in a brownout. Right. <laughs> I dozed <laughs> off or blacked out or both or I don't even know what. And um, and went off the road into... Uh, um, I just forgot what they're called. I've been in Louisiana too long. Snow, snow bank. <laughs> That's okay. what they're called when the when the snow is really high along the side of the road. Oh, because the, they, 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 they plow the, it. They did the thing. <laughs> <laughs> push the snow out of the way. It's called. But well, the snowbank probably saves people's lives. I imagine. Yeah, 
Maybe. To a degree. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. Until they turn into ice and then it causes problems. Uh-huh. Um, but this was a fluffy one. No damage to the car or anything. So I am immediately freaked out and terrified and flagged down a snow plow. These things are huge. Uh-huh. These things are the size of garbage trucks, sometimes bigger. Yeah with a huge plow on the front of them about the same height as the truck just with enough room for like the driver to like look over the top of it huge so i'm in a blizzard standing next to my car flagging down this snow plow and (laughs) get really ornery when they call the cops Uh. (laughs) (laughs) ma'am have you been drinking no i don't know why my like my response to cops was always like, I've only had two beers. That's Why stand- like two? Why not answer. just one? <laughs> I don't know, because <laughs> I feel like, because in your mind you think like, well, they can probably tell them that two is more realistic. Who has one beer? I don't know. I've always, That was the standard answer People for me. People that should be driving have maybe had <laughs> one beer. <laughs> Uh, two. Ma'am, so. if you mean like two cases of beer, <laughs> then yes, two beverages. I don't think so. Mm. So I was arrested. Um, I was handcuffed and I was put in the back of the car. Again, this was in 2005. Um, um, the area that I'm from, is it's not huge. It's not teeny tiny. And um, I have a fairly big family. And so the next day, my name was in the paper for arrests under DWIs. And I, it was mortifying. Yeah. My, I, w- I don't want to say like my family is like prominent in the area, but my fam the name is known. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was I was totally humiliated. Mm. Um, I couldn't I remember just like sobbing. Well, back up a minute. So I was arrested, handcuffed, put in the back of the car. Then they took me to the police station and handcuffed me to the wall, which I now know is like standard operating procedures. But I was like, oh, right. What am I going to do? Give me a break. You know, I was like, oh, he's brutality. Uh, Yeah, I used to claim that. I mean, I didn't say any of that because I was too busy crying. But, you know, the police officer was like, do you have somebody you could call? And I was like, I can call my parents. So I called home. My stepdad answered the phone and I couldn't even talk to him. And the police officer had to like talk to my stepdad. He came to get me like in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and I thought my life was over. Um, so I did all of the stuff that you're supposed to do when you get a DWI in New York state. They're pretty strict with it. Um, you go and you have, um, you take a survey, which is essentially like their form of an evaluation. Mm. And at the end of the survey, it was determined that I needed to go to a group once a week. And I was really frustrated with that. And the guy next to me goes, oh, man, don't you know you're supposed to lie on that thing? And I was like, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. I learned better for next time. (laughs) Um so they asked you like how many drinks you had. Yeah, yeah, just like your typical yeah. like you know you're an alcoholic <laughs> when. Yeah. And I didn't know that's what that was. I had no experience with it whatsoever, and it certainly wasn't like I was gonna go asking people around like, yeah. hey, have you ever you done maybe. this before? <laughs> no. So then I um, was told to go to like a once a week group kind of thing. I went to the group, 
And I looked around the room and I was like, oh, uh uh-uh, I do not belong in here. There Mm. were like a couple of people that had like monitoring things on their ankles. And, you know, I'm like 23, 22 at this point. And just like, I'm like, oh, no, like I do. This is not for me. So I was like, I would like a second opinion. Well, the second opinion established the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) And did you you like like scale back the honesty on that one? I I didn't. Oh, Uh, Oh, they they probably had access to the old form. Yeah, 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 I didn't. So like once you do that survey, like you're done. The damage is done. So they're going to use that and be like, well, you know, she said. (laughs) (laughs) but but i remember like one of the intake counselors um like asking me questions and i was like man she's so tricky she was like you know have you ever like missed (laughs) class or like anything like that because you're like too hungover (laughs) yeah being like so lovely and conversational and i was like well you know i didn't know what she was doing as we do right she was (laughs) such a trickster and um so i was like oh my god this woman's cool she gets it yeah wrong 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 she was like okay ma'am this is the deal and uh anyway well, during that time, I also got my first real um, professional job out of college. I was hired as an admissions counselor. And so um, my folks helped me get set up in my first apartment. I moved out. I actually moved back to the town where I went to college, where I went to undergrad. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And um, and it was fine, f- fine for a little while. And my like group once a week group thing requirement was transferred to a different to a treatment facility out there and everything was fine and I you know I wasn't drinking or anything um, because I was following the rules and then I remember my parents helped me after my parents helped me move into my apartment we went out to dinner and they were like let's have a celebratory beer and so I had a beer and then I think like the next day I had a meeting with my counselor and I told her and she was like what did you do that for and I was like I don't know and that kind of began like a little bit of a like slide back into like some old behavior mm-hmm. so soon I like made some friends um who drank um and I and then I started doing like super sketchy stuff like this was the f- this led me into the first time they ever tried coke um this led me into like a phase in my life where I was like exhibiting like stalker like behavior Mm. um I remember Mm -hmm. I like went home with one guy and he told me the next day you kept calling me Justin and I was like but in my head I I kept thinking to myself god he looks a lot like my ex-boyfriend Justin Uh well this guy's name was Jamie um, but apparently I got so drunk that I just decided I was going to call him Justin because <laughs> that's a cute look. Yeah. Like I said, I remained forever that girl. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, it, and it started to, so it was fine for a little while. It started to impact work a tiny bit. Um, I went to a work conference and, um, and the line of work that I was in at the time, these conferences were basically like a huge shit show. Everybody went, did the workshops all day long, but essentially it was like a glorified learning, ex- learning environment, 
kind of really masking like a party scene. Yeah. And so everyone got super drunk that night, including me. And then when the party ended, I wasn't ready to be done. But I do remember at one point, um, the details of that night are very foggy. It's like flash of um, being in a hotel with some man that I have like vaguely any recollection of, you know, anything that happened. And then being in a shuttle like from the hotel back to like where I was staying the night. I do remember that night though. Um, I have like a little bit of a scar on my cheek. It's mostly gone, but it's from I had leaned forward to like fix my shoe and I just like teetered over and like fell entirely on my face. And as I was falling, my face caught a brick wall wow. and like <laughs> dragged all the way down it. Oh. And so the next morning, my boss was also at this conference and my boss happened to be in recovery. Oh, He was 31 at the time and was 10 years sober. Wow. Wow. He got sober when he was 21, right? Mm. And so... The next day, I was late to the first session because I was, like, basically unable to function. Show up with this thing on your face that wasn't there the day before. I was, like, trying to wear my hair, like, (laughs) and, like, hide my face. Oh, my God. I remember they had to, like, stop on the way on our drive back and, like, get me McDonald's or something. Which, ironically, I had on my way here, but that's totally (laughs) different. (laughs) It's a totally different need, maybe. Um, So... Then, um, you know, I would, something weird would happen, something bad would happen in my mind or, or somebody else would be like, Hey, Emily, like, are you okay? Never was it, you drink too much. Mm -hmm. Um, it was, it was just always, uh, oh, I, I don't know. What time do we start? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were keeping track of the time. Well, I think we're probably more than halfway. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, if it goes like an hour and a half, it's fine. Oh, that's you know what I'm saying? So I guess I mean, I don't mind. Um, yeah, keep going. Okay, kind of get to the point. To that point. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry okay, up, Emily. Okay, okay, Andy. Know. <laughs> reel it in. Reel it in. Okay, so things start to get bad real quick. Uh-huh. Um, fast forward about a year later, and. You know, I I always got super excited about the party and, and got too drunk before the party mm. or got too drunk at the party or, like, stayed way too, like, overstayed my welcome. So there was this party happening. We were thrown for a friend of ours. She was going out of town. Then I remembered I was hosting my friend's bachelorette party. She had asked me to be her maid of honor the very next day in, like, another town. So I was hammered, left the party because I remembered I needed to go and run errands drove into the ta- the next town this is like super in the middle of nowhere drove into the next town to like do my errands and then it goes into blackness mm. i wake up i look around i'm like okay i vaguely know where i am i was at this guy's house who like i had hung out with maybe like once or twice but definitely like not enough to just be like da da da, da here I'm i here. am <laughs> Not that kind of thing. Um, And definitely never saw him again after this. I was like half clothed. He was not in the bed, which is also never a good sign. And and I was like, oh, God, I got to go. So I go out to my car, and on my car is a note from the police department that says, Dear Emily, please contact 
the local police department regarding the accident you were involved in last night. Boom. <laughs> and I'm like, what in the fuck? So I look in my car. I'm like walking around like the driver's side of my car, walking around the front of my car, kind of around the back a little bit. And I'm like, what accident? I have no idea. I have no idea what happened. I look in my car. There's a couple of open containers, of course. Um, pint glasses filled with like some mixed drink and some mm. other beer or something. The contents of my purse that basically look like, do you remember that scene in Step Brothers where they're both like sleepwalking and one of them's like taking the cookies and like shaking them <laughs> everywhere? It looks like somebody did that with my purse. Wow. <laughs> then is my like sweet, awesome, like early edition Nokia cell phone that uh-huh. had like 40 missed phone calls on oh, it wow. from people at the party. Um, maybe text messages but i don't know if text messages were like a really big thing at that point yeah i don't know um missed phone calls from my parents uh because my car my insurance was still like registered at my address at home in that phone number so people were like calling so then i call my stepdad and he's like what is going on and i walk around to the back of my car and that's where i see the huge dent so apparently what happened is As far as I can put together, um, I went into a liquor store. I could probably barely even walk, let alone speak, which is interesting because at the time I was driving a standard transmission vehicle. Mm -hmm. So the fact that I was able to get my feet to do what it needed to do to drive (laughs) the car was, is pretty something else. I would say impressive, but not, that's not the right word. Um, and, uh, so I, they wouldn't sell booze to me and I wasn't trying to buy booze for right then. I was trying to buy booze for the drinks for the bachelorette party Mm -hmm. that I never made it to, by the way. Um, because that was like my first kind of sort of intervention. That's the first time that I actually reached out for help, um, to, uh, like a hotline number for, um, AA. Um, and, uh, Told my friend I was going to make it to the bachelorette party. My mom came out and stayed with me for a couple days. I met up with some guy who was just trying to be super helpful and um, from from AA. And, uh, and I thought he was hitting on me. So that's just where my brain was at that time. <laughs> um, and so I guess uh, as I was leaving the, the parking spot from the liquor store, I had um, backed into a parked car. Um, they weren't the police were never able to find me because it wasn't such a severe incident like nobody got hurt um that they didn't go around like knocking on people's doors and i wasn't at my house yeah so um i called the police station they're like oh that officer's not here and i was shocked that that's like that was all Mm. and then when he eventually came into the office the next day Um, he like stopped by my house, issued me a ticket for leaving the scene of an accident and then told me it's probably not a good idea to drive around with open containers in your vehicle. Mm. (laughs) So that begins my first foray into a small chunk of time of sobriety. Okay. All right, cool. Well, we'll take a quick little break there. Let you, uh, we'll get some refreshments you know, stretch a little bit because it gets a little cramped and then we'll be right back. All right. Okay, back from break. Uh, All right. So, first foray into 
sobriety. First foray. I went to um, a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, and I walked in and immediately um, was nervous and not not about it. The um, the people in the room were all men, and they were all I would say farmers, and one person was not, and that was my boss. Because I also had called my boss and I told him what happened and he suggested um, that I call the AA hotline, which is how I knew to do that. Um, so I went to a meeting, um, mostly driven by fear, you know, not really driven by a knowing that that I was an alcoholic or anything like that. And so I went to meetings for... I don't know, not for very long um, because, again, it was like older farmer men and my boss, and I think I was the only woman, um, and certainly only the young woman, which I could imagine in some rural areas it would be really, really hard to, um, if you're younger, to find people to identify with or oh, maybe yeah. just in general mm -hmm. um, to find people to identify yeah. with. I feel so fortunate that we have such a huge recovery community here. Yeah. I always felt the same way when I think back because I, I mean I, I went to high school a very small small town in the middle of kind of nowhere Louisiana and I think back and I go man there really is no resources there. And I think of some of my friends who I'm like, they, they could probably use <laughs> some help. And I go, it's almost like they're, if they're there, mm -hmm. they really don't have this resource that we have, which is, which is like so awesome that we have it. You're right. Yeah. yeah. And amazing that technology is what it is now. And mm -hmm. there are things like these podcasts, for yeah. example. Um, so I did that. Um, I think I drank again like a little bit I did end up like being the maid of honor at my friend's wedding um I got I didn't get too drunk like before the wedding or anything like that I was able to give the speech uh -huh. you know there was no terrible story there however um my date never showed mm. um and uh and so I was pretty bummed out about that and so I did get really really drunk um stayed up way later than anybody else I remember wandering around just kind of like find something to like take the pain away or like someone to take the pain away and I woke up the next morning in a tent like we camped out after their wedding after the reception and um was like man it got really wet in this tent no I had pissed my pants uh -huh. <laughs> amazing <Yeah. laughs> okay. amazing so Shortly after that, I, um, at the wedding, that's so, yeah, like, <laughs> oh, oh my God. God, Woo. um, not so honorary of a maid of honor. <laughs> oh God. Oh my God. Um, they're now divorced. No, <laughs> actually that's another story. Um, it has nothing to do with me. Thank <laughs> I just God. just had to say that disclaimer. <laughs> oh goodness. Um, so then I, then sometime soon after that, I didn't drink for about a year and a half. Mm. Um, I was just like, you know, I'm not very good at drinking. Let me just not drink and see how that goes. And um, I was miserable. I was miserable because what alcohol did for me was it took, it was an escape. It took the pain away. It took, um, it, you know, it made celebrations more celebratory. It made... 
you know, um, any kind of like sadness or grief or, or difficulty um, momentarily vanish. Um, but it always it always calls cause problems for me. Mm. Um, and I wouldn't say that I ever that I got in trouble or there was something bad that happened every time I drank, but every time something bad happened, I had been drinking, mm. you know, and so bad being drinking and driving, bad being an altercation with friends, bad being um, some sexual abuse. Um, uh, essentially, I was engaging in, be- in behavior that was the exact opposite of who I thought I really was. Mm. And so that became more prevalent in my life than the good stuff and so I just started to believe that I was a terrible person even in this year and a half of like not drinking I won't even call it sobriety because I was out of my gourd Mm. I um I uh I don't know what's like too too much information to share but um you know in that year I um engaged in an affair with a married man um which is not yeah something that you know, me in my right mind would engage in, um, and, uh, and you didn't I have was, the alcohol to blame. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, I did start grad school, um, and I, I was, I threw myself into my studies. Um, I had a 4.0, um, but I was miserable. I was miserable and I was lonely and I was not, um, really enjoying myself. And, and it was, very apparent I was also angry um and it was apparent because I didn't have any friends nobody wanted to hang around with me because I was an asshole um eventually I started to lighten up a little bit and I don't know why or how but um one of the guys that I was in grad school with decided that he liked me and we started to date and what's funny is he wanted to see what I was like drunk Mm. (laughs) and then shortly after that we broke up (laughs) i want to say like two weeks later really it was like that quick like we went out like reluctant like or no i think i was like okay well like let's just see you know let's just see what happens um you know, and I was like, I haven't drank for a long time. Like, I'll probably have a beer and, like, get hammered and, <laughs> you know, whatever. I'll be fine. So we went out to dinner, and I had, like, uh, one drink, and that was fine. And then I went to some, like, family function of his, and I had, like, two drinks, and that was fine. And then, like, a week later, I was in the same town as him but did not contact him. Went to a party with some friends from college, was doing coke and uh got so shit canned that i couldn't walk ended up sleeping with two guys in one night they were roommates and i only found out about it because one of the guys was like what the fuck is wrong with you and i was like oh i forgot about that so yeah we broke up (laughs) (laughs) he broke up with me and then um and then I I kept drinking. Um, I eventually got another boyfriend. Um, I feel like I tricked him because <laughs> he didn't know about me. You know, he didn't know what I was like or what he was getting himself into. Um, 
that relationship was awful. Um, I drank like all throughout that relationship. I just kept drinking. Um, eventually I finished grad school, uh, with basically like a 3.9 GPA. Um, I moved out to Oregon and, um, and kind of got a fresh start for a little while until like everything else kind of crept back in. Eventually, you know, wherever I'm a firm believer and I know many people are, wherever I go, there I am. So I was able to kind of like reset and have a fresh start, but eventually I settled into old behaviors. And every time I kind of had a fresh start, things would get worse. Mm. Um, you know, my drinking would get worse, my behavior would get worse. More like um, antisocial, like just say and do really weird shit. Um, some like stalker-like behavior. Um, super deep depression. A lot of anxiety. Um, and just uh, not, you know, not a whole lot of fun to be around. Um, when I wasn't drinking because I was always worried about like what had happened when I had been drinking. Um, eventually I got my second DWI and there was no, you know, fanfare with that. Uh, it was a Tuesday night, um, which is usually when the weird shit happened. Um, or when I would engage in the weird shit would be like a Tuesday night, not a Saturday night. You know, that would be like way too typical. Um, you know, got pulled over. Um, because I delayed, you know, for too long after the light changed or something. And, um, in Oregon, your second offense comes with mandatory jail time, regardless of where your first offense took place. So, um, I called my employer the next day and I was given a split second to do the right thing where they were like, okay, well that's fine, but you've never had another DWI, right? And I said, correct. Mm. Yeah, which was not the truth. No, of course not. Right, and yeah. how? And why would they find out? And there's no way I'm actually going to go to jail. There's no way. Well, I went to jail, only for five days, but that is five days longer yeah, than I thought I would terrifying. ever spend in jail. You know, and that wasn't even that wasn't the drunk tank. Like I yeah. was, quote unquote, sentenced in population. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. You know, they like looked in my bunghole and all that good stuff. I remember um, being in drunk tanks and being terrified mm-hmm. that if like they didn't come get me soon enough that they would put me in population. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was like my <laughs> biggest fear. Was so oh my God. Yeah. So, and then I, you know, I didn't stop drinking. I didn't stop drinking until I, my life was essentially like falling apart. I was at risk of losing my job. My employer eventually found out that I was lying. Um, you know, I was still drinking. Uh, now I was drinking by myself. I was drinking at home. I was drink. you know, I was waking up like, um, like naked sometimes, like wondering like, what the fuck did I do last night? Why am I naked? Like, I don't, you know, that's not how I sleep. Um, you know, I would have like this huge bottle of wine and have like the tiniest amount left as if that were the justification while I didn't drink at all, you know? <laughs> Um, now I didn't have a, you know, I didn't have a license. Um, it was just, it was, it was bad. And then something I, I was seeing a counselor, um, for anything other than alcoholism and, um, and 
was a little bit honest with her as much as I could really muster up the courage and strength to be. And she, and I think that little bit of honesty opened up, like created a window of opportunity for me to be honest with somebody who really cared about me and knew what I had been going through. Um, And that was my mom. And so for like six months after I went to jail, nobody in my family except like one or two people knew what had happened, what I had been through, that I was on probation, so on and so forth. And so I went home for Christmas that year and um, and told my mom and my stepdad. And they just were kind of like, I think the other shoe has dropped. Um, and that was it. And, and suddenly I felt like I was done. I just felt like, I don't know, I felt sad, I felt scared, I felt um, like, what is my life going to look like? Um, Oh my God, I'm not going to be able to drink champagne at my wedding. Well, honey, nobody is really banging down your door to get married Mm. to you in the first place, so (laughs) let's just pump the brakes on that one. Um, But I, I went, when I got back to Oregon, I went and I had like, legitimate evaluation the evaluation um recommended that i do intensive outpatient treatment only didn't require um residential treatment because i had a job i was able to still maintain my employment um so i did iop and um went to meetings sometimes and then I met this woman who is still a very dear friend of mine. She still lives in Oregon, and she scooped me up. I didn't even have a choice. Um, (laughs) She scooped me up, and she showed me what it was like to have fun in sobriety. And I felt like I was a teenager again. Like, we would have sleepover. I mean, it was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It was ridiculous. I mean, do you remember being, like, early so early sobriety? You're like, it's 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 a total shit show in a a different way. Yeah, it's it's like. (laughs) Yeah, I think about it, like, with so much nostalgia. Like, you know, not that it's that long ago, but it really, like, that early sobriety is like. It's like a whole. You're, you're, yeah, it's like uh, you get to, like, be a teenager again. a, a, A. a young 20 something even you know yeah and you're just you're restarting mm-hmm. and it's a yeah everything's exciting yeah i yeah. wouldn't for myself i wouldn't say uh a young 20 something i definitely like reverted like i remember driving away from a meeting with her and a, and then there were a carload of guys like driving next to us and i like straight up like flashed oh. them and that was something i used to do in middle school wow. you know what i mean so yeah. i like really reverted wow <laughs> <laughs> yeah but we you know i went to aa meetings and i had you know i i had this super codependent friendship with my good friend and that really like mm. that that fellowship that community like saved my life because it showed me that there is life beyond drinking that that this whole life awaited me and it and and I didn't even have a clue because my life was still in shambles I was still on probation not even to mention like the financial disaster that that had that I had created for myself um and uh so anyway you know 
about a week or two after I got sober, I was accepted into a program that I had been trying to get into for years. Mm. And I applied to it. This was my third time applying to it. This is how I wound up in Louisiana. And like without basically any dragged out um, consideration, they let me know that I was accepted. I actually called them and said hey, I'm super excited about my acceptance, but I thought it's important for you to know that I was recently arrested for a second DWI. Mm. Is that going to have any bearing on my acceptance? And they didn't know what to do with that. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to get like the court's permission to like move out of the state because Uh, I was on probation. When I moved down here, I, you know, I um, didn't have a valid license for the first couple years. Um, But because I knew what little I knew about the recovery community, I knew that there was a community just as strong, if not stronger, waiting in New Orleans. Mm. But I had no idea what that could potentially look like. Um, When I uh, moved down here, the very first thing I did, um, the the first morning I woke up here was I walked, I um, tried to find a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I walked to... Uh, treatment center um, not knowing it was a treatment center I was just like I saw you know bridge house and I was like okay I don't know what that is um, new to New Orleans so I like walked there from my apartment in Broadmoor and um, and they were like what are you doing here little mm-hmm. did I know it's a men's treatment center yeah. um, <laughs> and uh, there was like a picnic or something going on that day so then they were they said well you know, we don't know any other meetings like super close to here that you could go to. This was before Uber was a thing. I didn't have any money. I couldn't take a taxi or, and I didn't know how to do the public transportation system yet. So I walked to the Boulevard Club oh. from Bridge House. Wow. And, uh, and I was like, what is this place? Uh. <laughs> it was a little different than Oregon. Um, <laughs> That's like, yeah, I know. I know. I, uh, eventually I like found some people that, you know, were pretty great. I, um, I, the way that I found, do y'all, do y'all talk about sponsorship and all that stuff? Uh, Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, I'm, I say talk about your experience with 12 steps, you know, and and, and, then also like I usually will say, you know, I would have said don't mention the treatment center's name, but I don't know oh, how I'm serious sorry. that is. Okay. You know, it, yeah. I, I just to cover, I should have told, maybe told you that. But, okay. You know, sorry. Yeah. Whoops. If I, can, I have like, no affiliation <laughs> with that, <laughs> that establishment. Hey, look, I, it's just one of those weird things where you feel like you always have to cover uh, your ass. Like, yeah, like, for like, sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Um, no one was paying attention anyway. It's fine. Yeah. So, um, the way that I got my, I started working with a sponsor. I'd, I had, hadn't had one before where we actually did anything um, because I was still out of my gourd, you know, remove the substance and I am still myself. Mm. Like I said before, wherever I go, there I am. I cannot escape me no matter how hard I try. So started working with this woman that I met um, through this guy that I was like, quote unquote, dating at the time. His sponsor was her boyfriend. And uh, I was like, oh, my God, well, they go on double dates. This is going to be such amazing sobriety. Um, That didn't happen. But (laughs) I kept working (laughs) with that woman. And slowly, my life began to change. Um, Slowly, like, 
some of the stuff that had clouded and cluttered my mind for such a long time started to relieve, be relieved um, through some of the work in the 12 steps. Um, and, and the biggest thing that has changed my life has been being of service and working with others. Um, you know, when I, when I first got sober, I uh, barely had, <laughs> this is funny because it's not very different than today, although it's entirely <laughs> different than today. So when I first got sober, I had like no money at all, no license, no car, you know, none, none of that stuff. No, not even an ounce of self-worth, mm. although still like this arrogance as though I like deserved so much more than I had, um, this like self-righteousness or something. Um, that was really just a mask for like fear. Like what if I am actually the piece of shit that I usually think that I actually am? Mm. Um, slowly over time that started to, uh, alleviate, um, I became a better employee. Um, I became a better friend. Um, I became, I would say, much more slowly in this area. I became a better family member, my immediate family. That has been a real slow area of growth for me. My family doesn't, you know, doesn't live here. And so yeah. I don't get to practice being around them all that much. What recovery is like for me is it's like it's just practice mm -hmm. it's it's practice for um for being i don't know being helpful um what you know fast forward to today what my life looks like today so i have like you know ten dollars in the bank <laughs> <laughs> You know, I have some credit card debt. Yeah. I have a lot of student loan debt, um, but I did go back and get a second master's degree in sobriety. Wow. Um, I, you know, instead of like barely holding on to one job, I now have like, I have a full-time job. I have a part-time job. I'm, an, you know, I'm a yoga teacher and oh, I babysit yeah. sometimes. Oh, and I dog sit too sometimes. <laughs> um but I, I barely had enough energy to do one job before. Yeah. And now I do all of that, right? And then you come to a podcast in the right. evening. <laughs> Not usually all in one day, but yeah. sometimes like two or three things in one day. Yeah. You know, that's a lot. What the energy now that I have now, and I don't mean like I'm always bouncing off the walls and cracked out or anything like that. That's not what it is. But what I mean is like the energy that I used to spend feeling bad about things that I had said and I had done and I assumed I had said and I assumed I had done and I assumed other people thought about me and, and all of that um, has been alleviated to, to such an extent that I now have energy to spend in more productive ways mm -hmm. that is not as focused on myself yeah don't get me wrong i am still an incredibly selfish person but that but we're people yeah um i don't think anybody is purely altruistic um but um some are, some are better at it than others but what i'm able to accomplish in like a week or even a day today mm. 
is like exponentially greater than what I could accomplish in a year. I mean, yeah. look at you, no, right? Yeah. Like you have, you own a business, you're doing this podcast, you, you know, have some other changes going on in your life. You dabbled in some music for a while. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy. It's like, and then I still think I'm not doing enough sometimes, right? you know, and I'm always like, man, I'm so lazy. You know, I, I'm, we're, we're our worst critics. Right. You know? But yeah. I remember having a conversation with you outside yeah. of a coffee shop and you being like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I was trying to like career counsel you yeah, I remember you that. know and like from there like whoa look at our lives it's really incredible so you know this morning I like one of the first things I do when I wake up is mm-hmm. not very spiritual of me is like look at my phone yeah. right? I am slave to my phone but today like Facebook had one of those like year in review kind of things yeah and I looked it showed me all the things that I've done this year and I'm like oh my god this has been a great year yeah it's been a really great year um I tried um, and had a failed relationship oh. and really learned a lot from that, wow. um, about myself, about like what I'm okay with, what I'm not okay with. I, um, I bought a house. Um, I have a roommate. I haven't lived with anybody like in a really long time wow. and it's lovely. Wow. Like it is delightful. And that is giving me hope that I could eventually maybe like live with a partner wouldn't that be nice (laughs) i thought maybe i was like incapable of that you know that's what i mean like practice you know um and then all those experiences are like so new a lot of times yeah yeah and and like with dating Mm -hmm. like i mean obviously you know i haven't dated a whole lot in my sobriety Mm -hmm. and now i'm starting to date a lot Mm -hmm. more in the past few years and it's like and it is you learn so much about yourself yeah um and doing so many things that like used to like the fear wouldn't allow me to even even try it right right um and then getting those experiences and finding out about myself and having those negative things pop up and right and working through them is a pretty amazing hard difficult thing and painful it is it is painful i mean prior to even for my first like year or two Mm -hmm. of sobriety i didn't even realize that i had been sexually abused wow um in in my drinking i just assumed it it was all on me and and that was hard that was really hard um to realize that um and that, you know, there's there's healing that takes place on so many different levels um, and all in good time. If that was all presented to me when I was first getting sober, there's no way, no mm. way. Yeah. So when people say like one day at a time, one step at a time, yeah. you know, one minute at a time, whatever, like it really makes sense to me, yeah. even though sometimes I want to like shove those like crocheted pillows with the sayings uh. like down someone's throat <laughs> who's like saying it to me you know like yeah. oh god wouldn't give us more than we could handle if we couldn't handle it blah, yeah. blah, blah. <laughs> um but i think it's really true because as some of the like wreckage of my past has neutralized i guess mm-hmm. um and and has kind of like alleviated my heart and my soul and my spirit and my brain. It has made room for deeper healing, mm-hmm. um, like wow. working with like some sexual trauma um, a little bit, like 
realizing like who I really am, some things that I like, having the courage to try things that I had always wanted to do but never thought I really could because I was too afraid, right? Like yoga, for example. Well, I don't look like the like model like yoga girl. Well, so what? That doesn't mean that you can't do yoga. And so now I'm a yoga teacher. Um, Which I still need to take one of your classes. Yeah, I'm teaching tomorrow at 6.30 a.m. Come on. Oh, Lord. Maybe. (laughs) That might be something we can do because we... Yeah, we can. We'll talk about (laughs) it. We'll talk. We'll talk. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, it's just... So my, my parents, my parents were just in town excuse me, for in staying with me for 11 days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a really long time. It is. Um, and usually my visits with my family, be it with my mom and stepdad or my dad and stepmom, usually are pretty bumpy. Mm. Because like I said, I don't have a lot of opportunity to practice being in their company. I think if I did, it might be a little bit different um, because I get to practice a lot of things on a very daily basis. I get to practice being a friend. I get to practice being an employee. I get to practice, um, you know, being a yoga student, a yoga teacher. I get to practice being a dog owner, you know, and it might sound so stupid to think of it as practice, but that's all it is, you know, for, for someone to say like, oh, I'm not really good at that. Well, why would you be good at it? You've never practiced it. You've never even tried it. Mm -hmm. So unless you're like, you know, a savant of some sort, of course you're not going to be good at it, right? And so I have to like give myself that space and not use it as an excuse with my family. But our visit went so well. Not amazing. (laughs) Not amazingly pleasant the entire time, but... I picked up my parents from the airport. I took them back to the airport when it was time for their flight. Yeah. You know, we had some great times, some great laughs. We had some time together. We had some time apart. We had some difficult conversations. Um, you know, we had some misunderstandings. At the end of the day, everybody is still speaking to one another. I was able to see them off by bringing them you know on time and not way too early or like telling them to fuck off and get a cab (laughs) um you know give my mom a hug give my stepdad a hug I was able to have them stay in my house I never thought I would buy a house and you know I, I don't you know don't misunderstand me it's not about the material for me but I never thought that a home is that a house owning a house would ever be something that was possible for me mm. because I didn't think I would be able to do that on my own as a single woman. And I'm, I've done it. I'm doing it. Wow. Um, I, uh, you know, it's, it's really, it's really pretty, pretty incredible to me. I have amazing friendships today. Um, I, I have a sense of like who I am and and I falter like I fall I fall back I fall down I fall sideways I like <laughs> do you know tumble on my head and my face sometimes um and that's okay um because it's all practice it's all practice that's yeah. exactly right it's all practice and um and that that's the biggest gift I think 
is, you know, one of, one of my, one of the things that I try to practice on a daily basis, but I'll say it's probably like more like four or five times a week is a, a daily review, Mm. a daily inventory. That's part of a 12 step program. And what I love about this is that it's kind of like a like a checks and balances it's like a system of like debits and credits so I get I look at where did I show up today not so great and then I get to look at where did I show up today kind of okay Mm. and then it kind of evens out now sometimes I'm a little off kilter and I'll have like an exceptionally outstanding day and that's like, oh, damn, look at me. And then yeah. I'll get, like, knocked down, like, yeah. the next day or whatever. That's so, so crazy. Like, <laughs> that, you always get knocked down after one of those look mm-hmm. at me moments. Right. <laughs> and then I'll have, I have some really hard days, yeah. too. The thing that I love about this practice is that it is never all one or the other, ever. Mm. You know, there's always room for improvement, but not on a psychopathic level, not on a perfectionist level. You know, um, because I'm human and I'm imperfect and I'm fallible. But even on my worst day, there is something that I have done that has been helpful in one way, shape, or form. Even if it is to say, like, I took care of my dog. I took a mental health day today. All I did was was lay in the bed and, like, watch Netflix, which happens much more infrequently than it ever has in my life and then sometimes i'll take those days like you said and i allow myself to take those days Mm -hmm. yeah god because that's really hard for me to do it is it is because it's like the busier we become the less practice we have in sitting around and doing nothing yeah (laughs) i was just talking with a, a woman i work with um recovery work not professional work about she was saying how she all she does is like sit around and watch Netflix all day and I'm like right because that's what you're in the practice of doing it's all about practice Mm -hmm. you know and uh, my roommate this morning was talking about all these things that she wants to get better at and I was like well maybe just like pick one (laughs) and start doing that one yeah (laughs) and start doing that one she wants to start like using a calendar better and I was like well start with calendaring out like today instead of the year oh god yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's you always know. like, just boil it down to I what's know. in front of you. And the, I know. And, and, yeah, I, I have to remind myself of that, too. Like, I, right. I had a recent thing with my, you know, with my work situation. And I'm, you know, a fear. And I talked to my sponsor. And he's like, well, what, you know, what can you do? What's the one thing you can do right now to do that? And it's like, okay, I can do this. And then I do it. And then all of a sudden, like, things kind of start falling into right. place. And, right. You know, because whenever I look at the big picture, it's mm-hmm. like my brain can't handle it. Right. I yeah. saw this great, I think it's a meme, although maybe it's a GIF. I don't know. Is that animated? Yeah. So it's well, a meme. Okay. Right? I, I don't know. It's not animated. It's not animated. Then it's a so meme. So then it's a meme. <laughs> so it's it was something like, I'm so stressed out about getting my shit together that I can't get any of my shit together. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like wow. frozen in fear. Mm. Um, shoot, I forgot what I was just going to say. But yeah, that practice. Oh, I think we're getting some uh, some like ri- some cop radio feedback in our thing. I don't know if it's Joe. I know, I was like, two footer what? I don't, I don't know, know about that, that two footer bong I used to rip off. <laughs> Yeah. All right, man. Look, I mean, we're we're pretty deep into this, so I guess. Yeah. Um, if you wanted to, if you wanted, you wanted to say something in closing, you can. I mean. I think I think 
and it, it doesn't, they're really, it's hard to find the words to truly describe it. If someone were to say to me, you know what, Emily, one day you're going to have all your bills paid and you're going to own a house and you're going to enjoy a nice, quiet Saturday evening in, that would not sound good to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That would be like what? That's the life. That's that is actually the life you never imagined. <laughs> yes, but little did I know it's the life I always wanted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there it is. True. And so, uh, you know, I if somebody were to say to me, may, and I'm sure that they did in early sobriety, what do you dream of for yourself? I would have sold myself short, mm. you know, and to explain to somebody this idea of practice and this idea of having more energy to be useful to others is so difficult to explain until somebody experiences it. Um, But today I live a life beyond my wildest dreams Mm -hmm. and it is not wild, but it is an absolute delight. Um, And uh, I'm just very grateful. I'm grateful for your friendship. I'm grateful for this opportunity. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming, Emily. That was incredible. (laughs) And thank you. And I'm sure there's somebody out there crying right now. (laughs) Because I'm close to it. Anyways, thanks again. (laughs) Yeah.